When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. She's like your older sister. But louder. This is the Wisconsin Farm Report with Pam Yonke. All righty, 546 now on a Tuesday morning. I mentioned it earlier. I think the market's going to be talking about it for a little while. Uh, Lunar New Year is over in China. And don't forget, this morning, 11 a.m. Central Time, we get that USDA uh, supply-demand report. Joining us live this morning, John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson out by West Bend. So uh, what do you think, John? Is the fact that the Lunar New Year has officially concluded going to mean any drastic movement as far as U.S. agricultural goods into that country? Well, it's still going to be a wait-and-see mentality. Obviously, you still have the coronavirus hanging as a kind of a bit of a wet blanket over top of the entire commodity sector. Uh, so a lot of unanswered questions there as obviously the cases continue to grow, death toll continues to climb. Uh, so a lot of questions whether China's going to step into the market. Now with that, you go look at food inflation over there. It's, uh, it's moving at a very high rate again. Uh, pork prices have been running up higher, so that's some of the anticipation maybe moving into the hog market. We'll see if they step into the corn and wheat markets here, especially with corn valued where it is on the global scale. So it means probably a little bit of a different story. Uh, it'd be nice to see them coming and pick up beans, but when you're looking at, again, one-third of the world supply coming online from Brazil, uh, this is not a window that the Chinese step into the U.S. market. And we're starting to see that come into play. Uh, yesterday's export inspections were disappointing. And realistically, in that pile of beans that we did send out, uh, China took 5 million bushels, which is pretty minimal considering the rest of the, the stockpile that moved. So it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks here. We'll see what the market's anticipating. Hopefully they do step in and pick something up, at least in some sectors. But I still think beans might be down the road. Yeah, and they did uh, try to make reassurances yesterday to the United States that despite coronavirus and all the other challenges, they are going to honor their obligations in phase one. You know, but that also plays into today's uh, USDA supply-demand report. It's more about South America's numbers in this report than ours, isn't it, John? Yeah, for the most part, U.S. numbers won't see a whole lot of adjustments. We are expecting to see a little bit of tightening, uh, at least according to analyst expectations on all three grains in the carryout side of the equation. Mostly that will be reflected in the uh, usage side of the, uh, you know, for corn as well as soybeans uh, and even the wheat side. So, yeah, the South American numbers will start to be closely watched here. Uh, they're, you know, fairly in line with what we've been hearing in terms of the estimates of where the USDA is. But, again, those global numbers sometimes can be the, the sleepers in these reports that we don't expect much that can cause some movement. Do we think, you know, and just thinking about seasonality of it all, uh, wheat, I mean, uh, any any rumblings on wheat anywhere around the world? That's kind of sometimes a forgotten commodity. Yeah, and, you know, the wheat market's had such a good run since September, and now we're kind of in a pause mode. So we continue to watch what we see out of Europe, what we see out of the Russia and Ukraine crops. Again, the global supply of wheat is actually still fairly heavy, but now that, but then when you look at what we classify as the exportable or the usable wheat, uh, that gets moved around, that supply is actually fairly tight. That's some of the reason we've seen the price movement of wheat where it is. And here in the U.S., we got a bit of a spring wheat or that Chicago wheat contract is at a deficiency, and that's what's given it its, you know, advantage over the other classes that we got on the board. 
So we've got to continue to watch that, but we are getting into a window where we start focusing more on the, the crop coming here this spring and usually can bring some weakness into that wheat market. Uh, but, you know, I think we've got at least a few weeks here before that really becomes a focus. Uh, we just still need to see that demand keep moving. And today's numbers should reflect the fact that we've had a pretty good run on the export front there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Again, 11 a.m. Central Time is when that report comes out. Let's uh, change gears just a little bit, focus in on dairy. Uh, for the past couple of weeks now, we've seen uh, barrel and black get farther and farther from each other. What's the story there, John, and what could this mean to the dairy farmers that are out there uh, trying to get ready for spring flush? Well, right now it brings a little bit of caution to me in terms of where the market is and, and that widening of that spread. If you look at it on a historical level, it's never been any, I mean, it's never been this wide. And uh, it's moved very aggressively over the last uh, couple, you know, year or so here in terms of going from a deficit on that spread to now, uh, you know, now the block's being way over top on top of the barrels. Some of that might be industry-related in terms of how the cheese has been handled and processed. Now we seem to have a bit of a stockpile on the barrel side of the equation. So it does bring some caution uh, when you look at the prices where we are, the low 17s or mid-17s all the way out through the fourth quarter. might be a great opportunity for producers to make sure we look at some form of protection and protect these values because if that spread starts unwinding in, in, the, you know, in a way it can, it could bring that cheese price down, especially going into that spring flush. You know, so producers should look at that DRP program or you know, talk with somebody like myself and look at some foot protection. Keep something in there to lock in your floor, but keep that top side open in case that demand that we're hoping shows up with the phase one deal uh, is there to get that upside open and give you that value. Yeah. Is there, are there any deadlines with dairy revenue protection? Anything that I'm not remembering about that program, John? I'm not sure at this moment right now. Mm -hmm. I know it's just a matter of making uh, the contact uh, to your agent or whoever you work with on the DRP program and getting uh, getting the paperwork going. I know we were, as as a company, we're looking at some uh, protection here into that second and third quarter here just recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, again, it's an opportunity. I think producers can protect some pretty decent value considering how quickly a milk market can lose another dollar of value if all of a sudden that spread unwinds aggressively Mm -hmm. and that block price starts coming down. Oh, yeah, big time. And so, you know, the other thing is I think farmers are sometimes intimidated. They're afraid that some of these tools cost more than they return. But to your point, if this all starts to unravel, uh, that's pretty pretty inexpensive insurance. Yeah, you got to look at the overall picture. And I know it's not fun to write a check sometimes that goes to, goes to zero, doesn't get you any return out of it. But when you're talking you know, thousands of pounds of milk over the course of a summer, a uh, dollar drop in value or a fifty cent drop in value can be pretty impactful. A lot more than that check you're writing just to make sure you got your profit levels covered. Yeah, well, and as we talked about at Corn Soy Expo last week, it's not just about dairy trying to pull their tools together and protect. Same thing with corn and beans. Uh, the puts, the calls, taking a look at options. Now's the time to really kind of think about that, isn't it? It is. It's hard, at least right now in the grain markets, because you know. We're not protecting a whole lot of profitability, if any, you know, here, especially in the Wisconsin, uh, you know, with the crash market where it is. I know it's been stronger this spring than usual, but it's still when you're talking, you know, 380 corn on the board or, you know, 390 corn for next fall. Uh, that's not a lot of meat on the bone there. In fact, yeah. probably not any. <laughs> so, but, but those are those tools that, you know, this is that window you learn about those tools, how to apply those tools and when the opportunity is there because, Typically, we do get a run somewhere in the summertime that at least allows you to you know, protect that checkbook in one form or another. 
And sometimes the easiest way to do it is by using some paper tools versus making those cash sales. Uh, if you, you know, if you think there's some optimism in the market price longer term, yeah, you bet. All right, my friend. Well, we'll see what that uh, supply demand report has for us at uh, eleven today, and then we'll catch up with you next week and see what else is developing in the markets. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Pam. Have a great day. You bet. Thanks, John. John Heinberg, along with us, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson out of West Bend, and he is available to help you when it comes to those tools we were just talking about. Like he said, you take a look at what Barrel and Block are today and the difference between the two, and remember, uh, that is a direct correlation towards what our uh, dairy farmers in the upper Midwest can expect in their milk check. So kind of think about some of the tools that are available. Tomorrow, she's going to make herself available. Tammy Vossen, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Beef Council, is going to be in studio. Just back from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and Cattlemen's Beef Board meetings in San Antonio, Texas. Wisconsin was well represented, she tells me. So we're going to find out what uh, new developments uh, excited the staff, excited the farmers that were there. She'll be in studio with us. And we're also going to bring you a story tomorrow about an Iowa farm boy that is using country music as his way to reach out to the consumer audience and try to help them better understand some of the challenges, the rewards that are happening in production agriculture today. Our own Caitlin Riley from uh, the western side of our network bringing us those details coming your way tomorrow. And as always, we encourage you to sign up for our daily newsletter online, MidwestFarmReport.com. This is the Farm Report with Pam